are listening to Autoimmune Community Voices, a podcast about diverse experiences and information from the autoimmune community. For more information about the Autoimmune Community Institute, visit acicommunity.org. Community, we're talking about diversity and representation, and it doesn't necessarily have to be race ethnicity, but this is a huge factor. And we do believe race is one of the leading causes that impacts all of our health outcomes and the way things were structured. So there's so much there in the conversation on race. And today we're going to be talking about race and ethnicity and about rare disease. In, in, and today we're speaking to Monica Alderondo from PSC mm-hmm. Mommy. And she is going to be talking with us about her work and about rare disease and the importance of understanding health equity and diversity, even for rare diseases in the autoimmune space. So welcome, Monica. Hi, thank you so much, April. Nice to be here. Thank you so much for joining us. And again, thank you for uh, being available for this important conversation. And, um, you know, we met about a couple years ago mm-hmm. um, on a podcast about autoimmune conditions and women. And so, uh, you know, happy, um, I know rare disease days coming up pretty soon um, in February, right? It may have, yeah, I think it's in February. Just wanted to make sure that, you know, awareness of rare diseases is out there, especially in the autoimmune space. So uh, please tell us a little bit more about you and about PSC Mommy. Sure. My name is Monica. So I've been diagnosed with two conditions, two autoimmune conditions. The first, the rare one is primary sclerosing cholangitis. This is a, an autoimmune disease. As we know, autoimmune diseases are when your body attacks some parts of your body. And in my case, the part is the bile ducts in the liver. So primary sclerosing cholangitis causes um, inflammation and scarring in the bile ducts. And that can lead to those closing up and eventually liver failure. Um, one of the only uh, treatments out there eventually, you know, we have to call it a treatment, but it's liver transplantation. So I have had my liver transplanted um, five years ago yesterday. Um, and I've also been, and since then, unfortunately, I'm also one of the small portion of the small portion who has been re-diagnosed post-transplant with primary sclerosing cholangitis. So it's called recurrent primary sclerosing cholangitis um, of the folks who get, and I was formerly a Bostonian. So I always said like, you can't fill Fenway Park with the amount of people who have PSC. That's how few of us there are. And those baseball fans out there know that's one of the smallest baseball parks in the country. But of those who eventually go on to transplant, which is not everyone, thankfully, but those who go on to transplant, they say about 20-ish percent, the numbers are very fuzzy of us um, are diagnosed with recurrence. So we get to be the rare of the rare, um, which my parents are not surprised that they're like, of course, of course you're in that group. Um, I'm also diagnosed with ulcerative colitis and PSC and UC, those with PSC, about 70 to 80% of us have some form of um, IBD, either Crohn's or colitis as well. So um, yeah, that's in a short, what my relationship to the autoimmune community is, I was diagnosed in 2008. I spent about five years in denial, and then um, since then connected with support communities for PSC and learn how to be an advocate, learn how to 
um, speak up and speak out and since then have done um, talks you know, with the FDA and pharmaceuticals and kind of really been part of the push, um, had opportunities to speak up and advocate. And I'm also very big on support spaces. So we have a really lively um, young women's group. Technically I've aged out of the 20 to 30s group um, but we, some of us are still um, just kind of making sure that that space is very active and people feel supportive. My area of passion for a long time and continues to be is women um, of childbearing age. I was diagnosed when I was 29. So at that point, my big question was around starting a family. And that's what led me eventually after my, my um, transplant, part of my own healing process was to start my podcast, PSC Mummy. And that is really focusing on the intersection between primary sclerosing cholangitis and parenting. My first interviews were all um, women who had been through either could not have children because of their diagnosis, chose not to, or had, and either had great pregnancies or really hard pregnancies and what parenting is like with, like with primary sclerosing cholangitis. And we've since expanded my last interview was with a dad. You know, I've talked to folks who are going through the process of surrogacy. So all of these questions come up when you're young and you have autoimmune conditions and there aren't, your doctors really can't always answer those questions. So we focus a lot on like, what does it feel like? What was that conversation between your partners about having kids and how did you make those decisions? And what do you do when the going gets really tough? And, and how do you cope with that? How do you, you know, I had yesterday or two days ago as I was preparing for my five-year anniversary, how do I talk to my six-year-old about the fact that I had a liver transplant and that is really foreign and not very comprehensible to a six-year-old? Like, how do you have those conversations? And those are the kinds of things that we talk about. And I do still want to congratulate you uh, for yesterday, for your fifth anniversary since the transplant, Thank you. It's Thank a you. wonderful uh, milestone. And um, whatever the ratio, um, roughly um, in PSC, um, what is the ratio of women or male to female um, prevalence? I don't know the exact numbers. I do know the prevalence. You know, I was told that it was mostly, according to research, a white middle-aged male disease. So when you're a young Latina in your 20s, you're like, wait, so how do I fit into this picture? Um, many of the support spaces are dominated by women, um, but that's not the true reflection of who is diagnosed with the condition. Um, and I would say also, as we're speaking about race and ethnicity, you know, that that is also skewed um, towards more of a white space. There aren't as many folks that I've met um, people of color within the support spaces that I've um, been a part of. So, you know, I think that sometimes in the forums or in the conferences, we get one view of who the population is, but often that's just a reflection of who feels comfortable or feels drawn to um, getting support in those spaces. Mm -hmm. That's an important and excellent point. The fact that what we see in research is not necessarily uh, an accurate representation of who actually has the condition, right? Mm -hmm. And then also, um, if you're podcasting and you're reaching out to people, uh, speaking to people in the community, uh, meeting other um, diverse folks, um, just like diverse communities, and um, even if they do exist, sometimes it's just difficult to connect with them for them to give their voice to speak out 
about their condition. So there's a lot there. There's so much. So um, please tell us a little bit more. And you've mentioned a couple of some really important moments in your autoimmune journey. And I guess if you could kind of speak a little bit more on um, how it has, how being a person of color has impacted your journey with autoimmune conditions. Yeah, I think in my case, you know, we spoke a little bit that I'm very aware that I am, and people use different terms, you know, I'm a white Latina, white Puerto Rican, I'm white passing, white adjacent, whatever terminology people are comfortable with. Um, So I don't feel personally that I have experienced a lot of the discrimination that um, I do know others close to me who I've had conversations with, and obviously I won't tell other people's stories as my own. Um, I think for me, mostly it's around, you know, I had a, well, we'll say like a doctor once told me that, you know, like, oh, my mom has PSC. And I was like, oh, has she gotten support? Is she in these spaces? And she's like, no, she only, her, her dominant language is Spanish and she doesn't feel that it's accessible to her, you know? So language is definitely a place where I know that there is a difficult time accessing um, information. Mm-hmm. Um, I do know that in spaces, there's been times where my husband and I have had incidents happen, you know, in support spaces that are like, oh, are we, that, did that, that person just say that? <laughs> you know, uh-huh. and again, I feel uh-huh. like mm-hmm. sometimes for me being white passing um, or a white Latina that people do say things around me that they wouldn't say to other people or don't realize that what they're saying is uncomfortable or feels uncomfortable. So I know that there are places where that happens. Um, For me, another place that it's come up, and I spoke recently with some researchers and uh, pharmaceutical reps, we were having a session around research and, and upcoming just kind of treatment options and a big thing right now in research for PSC is around genetic sequencing and DNA sequencing and different clinical trials are coming up. And for me, because of my transplant, I no longer qualify for clinical trials. And I'm pretty, Mm -hmm. I've always been very open to research. I'm like, if you can help other people, please take my blood, take my tissues. What do you need? I'll answer any questionnaire. Mm -hmm. Um, And the one place where I am hesitant is DNA sequencing Mm -hmm. and um, not that I'm against it. I'm just hesitant. Um, you know, and one of the things that I, when they asked directly, what's the hesitance and I am very familiar with Puerto Rican, um, history and how that relates to things like testing of birth control or forced, uh, sterilization or things that have happened in our history and in our families that, Yes, now people say there's regulations and all these things, but it comes up, right? I still have a question like, what does happen to my DNA? Are you sure? Are you sure it's going to be safe? No, but are you sure it's going to be safe? (laughs) You know, no one can be sure. Comes up, and I think are really important for researchers to understand that tender place within us, right? For those of us who know our history and know what came before us. Mm-hmm. So those are places where it comes up for me, where mm-hmm. I want to be helpful. I want to be part of finding a cure and I still, you know, pause. I won't say I stop yet, but I still pause. <laughs> and I think that's good. I think it's important to question and to know what feels safe for you and what doesn't and to re- respect mm-hmm. that. 
um, to that level of caution that we all have as people of color um, and what um, we're okay with and what questions we still have and what uncertainties we continue to have and for good reason in many cases, yeah. right? And so, I mean, uh, similarly here, I'm an Asian passing Latina, right? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just as Latina as I am Asian. But mm-hmm. so sometimes I, similarly, I do hear things that are just like, you didn't tell me that, you know, um, you know, but it's just like, thank you for sharing. Like, thank you for letting us know who you are. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> right. And so, yeah, it, it is something and, and appearance is one thing. Right. But yeah, our DNA, I mean, there's just generations before us and after us that we are responsible for. And so, I mean, there's a lot to be said about that. I guess my next question for you is about why does diversity matter in the field of PSC and rare disease, healthcare, and and so on? Uh, Why does diversity matter in your words, in your opinion? Mm, So many ways. So there's racial, ethnicity, diversity. I also want to speak to class diversity. I have lots of privileges and one of my privileges was I had really good insurance. Um, So things such as having the employment to have the insurance that gets you the transplant. You know, there's so many requirements for something like transplantation. Um, There's so many specialized tests that you have to have when you have rare diseases. So access to healthcare, which we know is harder for black and brown folks and BIPOC folks. Um, there are so many times where I'm like, I cannot believe that I had, you know, five MRIs this year and that my insurance covered it and all of those things. So being able to have access to insurance, first of all, second of all, we know that autoimmune, I'll speak for myself, but I know it's a common thing that autoimmune disease also often has really weird things that happen in your body. And you're sort of checking your own sanity often, like am I feeling this? Like in PSC, often we have um, pain in our upper right quadrant is the medical term for it. Mm -hmm. But people say like my liver hurts. And the first thing doctors often will say is the liver doesn't hurt because technically there are no nerve endings in your liver. Your liver can't technically hurt. But Mm -hmm. the fact is we feel like, ouch, this part of my body where my liver is hurts. So, you know, being able to um, be believed which I think is something that BIPOC folks often face in medical um, settings. Also young women, again, that's such an area for me. There, there's young women are, are supposed to be healthy. So when we're not healthy, you know, I've had really good luck with the doctors that I've had that have always believed me, but I've been in rooms with um, young women who have not been believed. Um, So being able to have our stories and our experiences believed and validated and listened to, and then those symptoms addressed is really important. So all of those aspects of diversity, right, as a woman, as a woman of color, as young women, as, you know, if you're low income, all of those are like steps against you um, within the medical industry that unless you have just really on point and empathetic medical professionals can be a place where you have to work extra hard to advocate for yourself, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, So I think for me, all of those areas are places where I think we can do better as a society and as the medical industry could do better. Um, 
again, on issues of class, one of my soapboxes is like one in three GoFundMes are for medical expenses. And that statistic alone tells me everything you need to know about our medical system and how it addresses the needs of folks um, that you, I know folks, people who in right before having transplantation where you really feel awful, you also have to fundraise for a life-saving procedure. And that to me is always such a frustrating thing um, to watch and witness and support others around me. And, you know, once you're in these spaces, you just meet a lot of other people who are in this situation. So you get to unfortunately see a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. That's yeah. There's so much there and there's so much need <laughs> as it relates to, as you mentioned, like, you know, social economic status and mm-hmm. all of it. And there's just so much work that continues to remain to be done. And, you know, unfortunately we're not, there um, as you know, a country to see health as a human right. Health is not seen as a human right. I mean, so we keep advocating, right? We keep pushing for the, that in all the ways that we can and the wonderful work that your nonprofit is doing. Oh, thank you. And so, you know, tell us a little bit more about some of the plans and goals ahead for PSC Mommy. Who are you speaking to? What are some of the more recent conversations and challenges you're seeing maybe at the policy level or just at the, you know, the topical level? Uh, what have the needs been? My podcast, I see more as a resource library of interviews. So it's not your typical podcast that comes out every week or every month or anything like that. So what I aim to share are really personal stories. For me, I felt very isolated before I was able, I was able to go to a support conference um, that requires travel, that requires being able to pay for a tell, that requires your, your ticket. And yes, there are ways to support people to do that, but it's hard. It's hard to get off work. So I always envision PSC mommy. Um, I n- never felt supported until I could talk to other women and say, what was it like to be a mom with PSC? I mean, you're fatigued, you're itchy, you're feeling crappy of all these doctor's appointments. Can you do this? Should I do this? Is this a responsible choice? Those were all questions I had. And for me, being able to talk to other women, other parents, other families, and get answers was really important. So for me, the podcast was a way to say, okay, if you can't go to a conference, how can you talk to people that are not your doctor about this, right? Because you might be like one person in a rural part of a state and just not even be able to make it to a conference or ever meet anyone else who has PSC. That's, you can go your whole life and not know anyone else that has this condition and feel really isolated. Um, And forums are great, but forums are also just typing. It's not the same as hearing a story. So for me, interviewing people on PSC Mommy podcast is really about saying like, what is your story in your own words that we hear it from you? We hear where you pause, we hear where you choke up, we hear um, all of that tension that comes with parenting with an autoimmune rare disease condition or having to think about transplant or did you survive it? Or what are the, the, the letters you write to your children? Because you're, you know, for my kids, like, you're not sure. Yesterday when we were celebrating, you know, what my husband said to me, it's like, think of all those times we wondered if you'd be here when he was five or when he was six. Like, those are questions that in conversations that we have, am I going to be here? Mm-hmm. Um, so in the podcast, what I really aim to show, I always tell folks, I don't 
I'm not that interested in like the medical piece, what medicines you're taking or anything like that. It's more like, what does this feel like? Because that's the piece that our doctors can't tell us. They, they know what they've read. They know what they've seen in other people, but they can't tell us how it feels. So that's really the focus and what people talk about. And I have, you know, as with all autoimmune diseases, I think there's a range of how you experience it. So I've had folks come on that say, I've been great. I've been fine. My pregnancies were fine. You know, I don't have to really worry that much. And I'm just hoping it'll stay that way. And I've had folks who've had a really tough time of it and how they've kind of gone through the worst of it and what that meant for their parenting. Um, so I would say as far as we don't get to the policy piece, it's much more about the emotional experience uh, that really only other folks going through it can understand. Mm-hmm. And I always think about, you know, the former me, right? That was diagnosed and felt like, oh my God, what does this mean? What can I do? What can't I do? Um, and I've had, thankfully, folks who have found the podcast and emailed and said that in that moment, right, before they, they were able to talk to others, they could hear these stories and that it was very emotional, but also helpful. Um, and they're very personal. One another reason, I mean, I think we have 17 interviews on there. One of the reasons there's so few is that it is very personal stories people are sharing and they have to be willing to kind of go to that place. Of, uh, so I tell people all the time, like, when you're ready, I'm happy to share your story. And if any of your listeners have PSC and are parents, I'm more than welcome to, to contact me and share your story. Um, I definitely would love for the the interviews that we have to be more diverse by race and ethnicity. Um, as we talked about earlier, I think that the people I've met in the support spaces are who they are so that my podcast has been a reflection of who's in the support spaces and the people that I've met. Um, but I know that's not everyone. I know there are people who are not being reached in that space or who are, haven't um, connected in that space. So <laughs> no, I think all of everything you said was beautiful and so important. And, you know, we often um, in science and research, there's such disregard for the personal conversation, the qualitative, not necessarily that your podcast would be a qualitative study, but it has those elements of the personal, the feeling, what is it like to really experience something? And, you know, as a research-based nonprofit, these things are so important, right? So Mm -hmm. there's so much value on, you know, check the box, you know, here's our multiple choice survey. And we're going to prove our hypothesis, right? But no, this is this is a little bit beyond that, right? We're looking to hear real experiences of things we may or may not have heard before. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot more, um, there's just much more depth to and breadth to what you're doing. And I really do hope that uh, through this summit, we're able to connect to more people in the rare disease space, people of diversity who have PSC and other rare conditions, and that they can find you as a a source of support and and the work that you're doing. And, you know, your podcast is, the work is beautiful. And, you know, I think it's, it's just so necessary out there um, to help um, improve, you know, our conditions, improve the state of our, um, even the way we find information and the support that we need. So, you know, I want to thank you so much for 
you know, sharing PSC mommy with us and talking about your experience and how can we connect with you? How can we find the podcast? How can we reach out? Thank you. So online, our website is PSCMAMI.com. And on there, we've also, I've also put, you know, different resources. Um, There are you know, the transplantation and pregnancy registry is on there, or um, I always advocate for the infant risk center. If you are someone who is considering pregnancy, pregnant or breastfeeding and have any kind of moments where you have to take medication, they're out of, and I'm going to forget, I think it's the University of Texas or, uh, but it's the infantriskcenter.org and you can call them and say, I'm pregnant. I have this procedure, I would call them all the time, say they're about to give me this kind of contrast for my MRI, or I'm about to do this. What what do we know? What's the research about how that affects my pregnancy, how that affects my breast milk? And they were amazing. They know more than anyone I've ever encountered. So that's a great resource that is linked in the website. Um, As far as the podcast, it is available on all major podcasting channels. So just look for P-S-C-M-A-M-I podcast and you can hear it there. And we are technically on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook, but I really just post when we have a new episode. Um, It's not a place I put a lot of energy as far as building following. I have a firm belief that folks who need us will find us without me putting a lot of space time and energy into social media um but we are present in those spaces as well okay um y monica si si puede um hablar um poquito acerca de de psc en español uh, para um hablar con nuestra audiencia um acerca de esta enfermedad sí gracias um can you pause it of course, a little bit PSC in Spanish because I know it's different. Gracias. Um, in español, primary sclerosis cholangitis, se dice cholangitis esclerosante primaria, CEP, y afecta al hígado. Um, es una condición que es muy, um, no es muy común. Y uno lo encuentra hablando con su, sus doctores de, de los intestinos. <risa> um, y es una condición que puede llegar hasta el punto que, que necesita, uno necesita un trasplante de hígado. Y eso fue mi experiencia. Hace cinco años me trasplantaron en el hígado. Um, porque mi CEP había progresado a ese punto. Después de mi trasplante, um, sí me diagnosticaron otra vez, um, que no es muy común aún los que tienen un trasplante por CEP. Um, como 20% de nosotros tenemos el diagnosis otra vez y los doctores de verdad no saben por qué, porque algunos, alguna gente lo tienen otra vez y otros no. Um, en el mundo de CEP hay muchos de nosotros que queremos apoyar a otros, a queremos a compartir nuestros, nuestras historias, nuestros cuentos de cómo se siente tener esta condición, cómo nos afecta como padres. Uh, tengo un podcast que habla sobre esto. Es en inglés, pero también yo siempre estoy disponible a hablar con quien, quien quiera hablar sobre CEP o PSC. 
um, y su experiencia. Yo soy muy abierta con mi, mi experiencia, hablo con quien sea, puedo um, dar apoyo en esa manera porque sé que no hay muchos recursos en español, no hay muchos recursos para el hispanohablante, um, pero sí hay información, sí hay mucho progreso Um, hay muchos que están trabajando por tratamientos y queremos que nuestra comunidad en total sepan que hay mucho progreso y cómo es que pueden accesar la información, los recursos para que podamos vivir con esta condición um, en, en la manera mejor que podamos. Gracias, Mónica. Y, y la, la cosa muy... Um... I don't know, wonderful. Uh, la cosa muy, muy buena es que en Google puede traducir uh, su podcast en, en español, de, you know, de inglés a español, para oír, para escuchar a, las, uh, cuen a los cuentos, historias, um, las condiciones que tienen la gente con esa enfermedad y... Um, You know, hay, muchas, uh, hay mucha información en ese, en ese podcast y um, es algo que, que es posible hacer. Sí, y aunque el audio esté en inglés, todo está um, transcribido en texto en el sitio de red también. Así que me has dado una idea, April, que tengo que traducirlo en español y poner el transcript en español también. Y eso es fácil, lo podemos hacer, um, pero sí para que la gente pueda accesar la información también lo tenemos. Todo, todos los episodios están escritos en el sitio de red también y todos los recursos um, para las mujeres que están um, en, en Puerto Rico decimos preña, pero sé que eso es un slang word. Está bien. Um, Uh, y la, las mujeres que están dando de mamar a sus niños, hay recursos ahí para, para um, ayuda con si debo, las preguntas como si debo tener, tomar ese medicamento, no lo debo tomar, um, cómo encontrar esa información está ahí también. Y como siempre me pueden mandar un, un correo electrónico y estoy dispuesta a responder a cualquiera pregunta sobre esta condición o cómo es um, ser madre con una condición de, de CEP. Uh -huh. Gracias. Y la cosa es que you know, hay mucha gente que no va a tener esa enfermedad, esta enfermedad, pero con you know, este pequeño por ciento que tiene, que tenga esa um, enfermedad, es importante que hay recursos en español uh, uh -huh. disponible en, en el internet también. Entonces, sí. gracias, Monica. Y um, yeah, back to English. Uh, Monica, <laughs> thank you so much for joining us today. I, you know, I appreciate the conversation we had today in English and Spanish, just, you know, to reach out to communities uh, as we talk about health equity. Um, very likely there are people out there who speak Spanish who need help with PSC. Um, you know, there may, it may be 10 people, but it may be hundreds of people. We just don't know. And so I really uh, wanted to make sure that was available as our nonprofit does operate in English and Spanish um, to the extent that we can. And so thank, thank you. So you. Yeah, absolutely. My pleasure. You speak Spanish by all means, you know. <laughs> 
So um, yeah, thank you so much for sharing your website and your information with us and continue to stay in touch with us. I think rare disease uh, communication is so important and we are, we are here for you to support you. Thank you so much, April. I appreciate it. And I'm also present to support and chat with anyone. Um, again, I love speaking to people one-on-one. -on -one. It is never a bother um, because sometimes that's where we find our comfort is on one-on-one -on -one conversations. So anyone is welcome to reach out on the website, um, especially those with PSC or, you know, also UC, although that's a smaller part of my world and my work. That's right. That's but, right. Um, you know, those two together definitely bring big challenges. And sometimes we just need to connect and feel like, is there someone else who understands how I'm feeling? Um, and that in itself can be a huge relief um, for our mental health and our emotional health. Um, so definitely, if not me, someone, um, I'm a huge advocate, just want to plug therapy in there. Um, you know, I think it's really important when you have a rare disease that affects, can affect your mortality, that you have someone neutral in your life, as in someone who's not, you know, I always say I can't, it's really hard for me to process my mortality with my loved ones mm -hmm. because it's so heavy for them. Yeah. So I need someone who's not a loved one, my therapist, who I can process my mortality and say anything, any fear, anything. Um, and that's really critical as well. So that's my eternal plug to people is yes, it's nice to have someone to say, I'm scared about like. <laughs> yeah, it's important to have someone to talk to. Definitely going, to, going through what you're going through. Thank you so much, Monica.